past is never dead. It's not even past, is a famous line by William Faulkner. In our celebration of the Lord's Supper tonight, we can say this about the future. The future is here, even though it is not yet the future. Nowhere it is clear that Jesus saw the manner of his death as a fulfillment of the Old Testament sacrificial system than through the way in which he celebrated the last Passover supper with his disciples. By his words as well as by his actions, we can understand that Jesus' intent was to set his kingdom inauguration in motion on the eve of his passion. This is why we call what we celebrate tonight the Lord's Supper not a Passover. In our Exodus passage, we have God's commandment to the Israelites for the way in which they are to celebrate the first Passover as a perpetual celebration to the Lord. In this passage, the Lord commands Israel to live a life of remembrance before him. Like many other festivals commended by, commanded by the Lord in the law, this helped the covenant community remember great events that also could serve as reenactments so that these stories could become real once more. For God's command to remember was not simply to recall. For the Jewish people, the past is a presence, and this people heard the stories of scriptures and found themselves right there in its record. A Mishnah tractate says, in every generation, the individual is obligated to view himself as though he himself had left Egypt. In other words, the participants are to insert themselves into this story of salvation so it becomes their story as well. At the Last Supper, Jesus inserted himself ultimately into the story's new direction and purpose and celebrated with his disciples a new Passover of thanksgiving and remembrance. The inauguration of a new memorial meal in the new covenant to replace the Passover meal in the old covenant stands in continuity with one of the unique means God gives us to remain in covenantal relationship with him. Remembrance affirms the presence and the power of God in the present, not just in the past. But I think it is important for us to understand how the new supper Jesus initiated, while it is in continuity with the Passover meal, also contains some significant differences, as this meal was intended to be a different meal. Jesus did follow a few of the customs that are known about the Passover as it was celebrated in the first century. Jesus began with a prayer of thanksgiving at the beginning of the meal over the bread. He raised three of the four ritual cups of wine, but he refused to raise the last one as Luke records his words that I will not drink of the fruit of the wine until the kingdom of God comes, signaling that this meal is not only to be a meal of remembrance, but a meal that is eschatological in its meaning. And here are some important differences. First, when Jesus took the loaf of bread and gave thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body that is given for you. Do this in remembrance of, meal, of me. Thus, in this new covenant meal, bread is to be consumed, not lamb. And I think there are a few reasons for this, and here I am speculating a little bit, but I think 
my speculations are consistent with the scriptural uh, text. I think Jesus' identification of the bread as his body does mimic the way Jesus, the Jews understood the connection between the bread and the lamb. In our Exodus passage, we observe that the instruction for the Passover meal includes eating the flesh of the roasted lamb with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. In the Jewish tradition, the bread eaten in the Passover meal became known as the bread of affliction, referring to the afflictions faced by the people when they needed to quickly flee from the Egyptians. But Jesus is doing something different here by identifying the bread as his body, as his body is the ultimate bread of affliction because of the suffering and death his body will endure at the cross. Secondly, Jesus expects to die, but he does not see his impending death as a temporal sacrifice that will need to be repeated, but as the ultimate sacrifice, as Jesus is the ultimate and final sacrificial lamb. And I think we can see then that bread rather than lamb is the food of the new covenant meal. His body will be ritually eaten in a meal, but as the sacrifice of ritual lambs each year will no longer be needed. Jesus is pointing to the eternal benefit of his death by pointing to the bread as his body. By commanding his disciples to eat the bread as his body, Jesus is offering a path for his children to participate in the redemption of the new Exodus, just as any first century Jew understood their participation in the Passover meal by eating the lamb signified participation in the first Exodus. Additionally, when Jesus gives the bread to his disciples and says, this is my body given for you, they cannot but have remembered his words that day in Capernaum that are recorded in John 6. The bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. We also see similarities and discontinuity with the Passover meal in the signification of the wine. Jesus' words, as recorded by Paul, in the same way he took the cup also after supper, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. When Jesus identifies the wine as the blood of the new covenant, he is pointing back to the first covenant ceremony recorded in Exodus 24. After the people heard the commandments given to Moses on Mount Sinai by God and agreed to obey them, Moses builds an altar to the Lord and instructs the people to offer burnt and peace offerings to the Lord. Then he reads to the people the book of the covenant and throws the sacrificial blood upon the people and marks them with it and says, Behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. The new covenant is also to be marked by the spilling of the blood of our Savior. By asking his disciples to drink his blood, this was a bit of a provocative statement for a first century Jew because they were prohibited from drinking the animal blood of the sacrifices. The reason? Because they believed the life of an animal was in its blood, and that is why it was given to make atonement. 
it is also perhaps the very reason that Jesus commands his disciples to drink the wine and identifies it as his blood, human blood, not animal blood, because he wanted his disciples to understand that his very life is in his blood. And if the 12 disciples are to have a share in that life, they will be poured out, that will be poured out. They must consume the wine, that is the blood, that is poured out, will be poured out in a sacrifice for our sin by Jesus Christ. If Jesus saw the blood offered by Moses, like any other Second Temple Jews, as having atoning power, then it would explain why he uses language evocative of the Sinai Covenant to describe the atoning power of his own sacrificial blood. Jesus saw himself as the new Moses, establishing an eschatological covenant in his blood. This is my body. This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. By these words, Jesus is deliberately instituting a new Passover that he expects the apostles to reenact after his death. After 600 years of waiting by the Jews, Jesus was proclaiming the time of the new or renewed covenant had come. There were two, two promises for this new covenant. God would write his Torah on the hearts of the believer. And secondly, he would remember their sins no more, no need for any more sacrifices. With his one simple statement, Jesus told his disciples that the divinely appointed time for the establishment of the new covenant, wherein the human heart would be transformed and that his death was to be the means of its establishment. With the rejoinder to do this in remembrance, Jesus is incorporating the future celebration of this meal into eschatological table fellowship, which is what the Lord's Supper comes to mean for his disciples. It is a foretaste of the messianic table of the future breaking through to the present in the overlapping of the new creation and the old. This is what Paul means when he says in 1 Corinthians 11:26, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This speaks first to the early Christian greeting, Maranatha, Jesus, come Lord Jesus. In other words, with each celebration of the Lord's Supper, the early Christians were proclaiming, come Lord Jesus. Until he comes, this meal that we are celebrating tonight is to be celebrated. But in the new kingdom at the second coming, the kingdom foretaste experienced in the Eucharist will be consummated as the marriage supper of the Lamb. Jesus did not ask his disciples to be mere spectators in this drama of wine and bread that he used to explain his upcoming death. He asked them to become partakers also, so that each one of them personally would be a beneficiary of his death. Drink it, eat it, this is for you, he said. Jesus is answering the disciples' dilemma of how to, to remain in communion with him during his physical absence. 
The continued active remembrance of Christ's sacrifice by his church is thus a remembrance that is the core of our life of faith. In remembrance, we appropriate that fixed point in history wherein Christ performed the ultimate final sacrifice for our sins and then confess our participation in this sacrifice in the present because we participate in Christ, whose resurrection points to the inauguration of his new kingdom on earth. The Corinthian passage we read tonight is a part of a larger segment of the book of 1 Corinthians, where Paul outlines to the Corinthians the meaning of the Eucharist, its difference from meals where meat has been offered to idols, and the call for them to properly celebrate communion when it is in the context of a people who serve each other, just as Jesus served his disciples by washing their feet before his last meal with them. At the beginning of this discourse, then Paul makes this very significant statement. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation or a fellowship in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Think about Paul's statement in the context of Jesus commanding his disciples to eat his body and drink his blood. Paul's meaning is that our participation in Christ's sacrifice by eating his body and drinking his blood is an act that may be attributed and imputed to us now as if he was offering it to us tonight. In our perpetual remembrance of Jesus's actions, we are also proclaiming the nature of Christian witness, offering our lives as broken people who realize their utter dependence on Jesus Christ, but at the same time asking the Lord to bless that which we offer the world in our mission to it. Blessing, breaking, offering, giving. These are the actions that we are doing in remembrance of Jesus. Paul's message in 1 Corinthians is that in our true participation in the sacrifice of Jesus and our fellowship with him, we are to be transformed into those who have the same attitude as Jesus, obedient and loving servants of the Father. Amen.